98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. This is the K1 Podcast. Welcome to the K1 Podcast. I'm Kevin Zimmerman, joined as always by Rudy Carpenter. And it's week 14, Cardinals coming off their sixth loss in a row, 23-17 to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And... Again, a, a rough outing for Kyler Murray. He was 20 for 30, 194 yards, um, two touchdowns, but had three interceptions. And just by QBR passer rating, whatever you want to say, that was down there with the Rams game prior as far as his two worst outings this year. Rudy, what do you see as far as just... I know you were concerned about him being having too much on his shoulders. Do you think that's weighing on him now and he's trying to do too much? Yeah, I mean, personally, I think that's exactly what it is um, for, for Kyler Murray right now because, look, it, playing quarterback is such a dependent position and it's such a difficult position to play and, and, and you, you need so many things around you to go right. You need, obviously, good play calls. You need protection. Um, you obviously need guys to execute in the run game. You need guys to execute in the pass game. You need wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs to win one-on-one matchups. And there are a lot of things that need to go right on every single play for them to be successful. And for Kyler Murray, he's been a winner his entire life. He's won at the Pop Warner level. He's won at the high school level. He's won at the college level. He won a Heisman Trophy. He's the number one overall pick. And now he's coming to an organization that just really is not ready to win. And for a guy like that, that can be extremely frustrating. And for for a competitor like Kyler Murray, for a guy who looks to solve problems and not identify problems, he's going to just naturally put more on his shoulders and put more on his plate and say, okay, I'll make more plays. I'll get... I'll make more explosive plays. I'll keep our teams in game. I'll keep our team in the game. And and when you're asking Kyler to do that, especially while he's chasing points, is very, very difficult. And what are you going to get? You're going to get him holding on to the ball. You're going to get him taking more sacks. You're going to get him taking more chances downfield with the ball, which is going to cause more turnovers in the last two weeks. That's what we've seen. It kind of seems like he's taken steps backward as far as knowing when to run, knowing and trusting in himself when he's like what he's seeing as far as defense and I know the Steelers like we talked about it heading into this game their defense they've been together a while they have a winning culture a system they know what they're doing um and he just it, it seemed like he got God a couple times that fourth down play he just I mean he didn't even see Watt standing there um do you see him kind of just overthinking things or is it really just rookie learning and having all that on him yeah I I don't really know um if that's the case I'm going to go back to the answer I gave before which is I think what this really is 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 I don't think it's about a rookie regression or I don't think it's about you know not seeing the field um I, I don't think it's him not trusting I just think it's him saying we're down points and we need to win and I want to win I would be willing to bet in Kyler Murray's entire football life he's never had a six game losing streak and so I think for him, he's trying to find ways to solve this. And, and you have answers coming in all different directions, which is the defense needs to play better. The special teams needs to play better. We need to pass protect better. We need to run the football better. All of these things. And I think what Kyler is saying is, okay, well, I want to win. This is very frustrating for me. And the only thing that I, I can't block for these guys, I can't catch for these guys, I can't tackle for these guys, I can't cover kicks for these guys, but what can I do? I can make plays with the football when the ball is in my hand on passing plays. And I think what you're going to see from him is when they run zone reads, instead of reading the play, I think he's going to keep the ball more so than not. Why? Because he believes in himself. I think on pass plays, the exact same thing. 
He's going to try to keep the play alive as long as he can. He's going to put the ball up for grabs and put it in dangerous situations. He's going to he's going to try to extend plays. He's going to do a whole bunch of things that he normally wouldn't do. And why is that? I think it's because Kyler Murray has a lot of belief, a lot of faith, and a lot of confidence in himself to make these plays. And when you do that, this is what happens. You take more sacks and you turn the football over. And so you could say he's not trusting it, but I would say he's probably more just not trusting the fact that they're down by points and and he doesn't trust the fact that they can just continue to run the football and play decent on defense and and win the traditional way. I think right now Kyler knows that that they're going to win games based on how many plays he makes. And and you saw that he's he said it after the game. Um, I'm paraphrasing, but it was basically like I'm not worried about the interceptions. I'm I'm worried and I'm frustrated about the losing and just how he reacts like that fourth down play that was huge and changed the game. He comes back and that touchdown pass to David Johnson. I mean, you could consider that as a risky throw even because there are two DBs right there. One guy jumped up and it went over his head and it was a great throw and he took the risk there, I think, and it paid off. So that's that's the other side of the coin that you're talking about where he's making those plays right well that's a that's a perfect example because that that play should have been intercepted and and Edmonds if you go back and you watch that play what you'll see is he just mistimed his jump had he not mistimed his jump that ball gets picked off and it goes the other way um and so the that therein lies the problem everybody pats Kyler on the back and tells him he did an incredible job on that play and great throw oh my gosh everything is awesome but it really had nothing to do with that it had nothing to do with David Johnson. It didn't have a lot to do with Kyler Murray. It had to do with Edmonds just mistiming his jump. On that coverage, cover two, there's a soft spot right there. It's called a hole shot, and everybody on the field knows it. The corner knows it, the quarterback knows it, the wide receiver knows it, and the safety knows it. And they know that's where they're vulnerable, and so they're going to try to cover that spot when they can. And ultimately, Kyler, at the end of the football game, decided I shouldn't say at the end, but he decided in, in, in a situation to try to make that play, and he did, and he was rewarded for it for a touchdown, but it's that affirmation that is actually not good for Kyler. Kyler needs to understand that, hey, man, that's not a great throw. That's not a great read. That's not where we want the ball to go, but considering the time and the situation in the game, we understand you have to try to make plays, and ultimately there's a lot of learning there. The learning is, is in that situation, you've got to put the ball up and you've got to allow your guys to make plays. We're trying to come back. We need scoring opportunities. But if that situation with that same play prevents itself or presents itself again, we don't want to throw hole shots to running backs, number one. And number two, just check the football down or make a smarter play with the ball because that play should have gone the other way. But that's the difficult thing with Kyler. He does a lot of the, no, 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 yes. And a lot of the, yes, 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 no, no, no. And it's just really hard to coach guys like that. But that's why you drafted him, because he has special qualities to make plays that others can't. The other classic example is this. Uh, Up until a few years ago, who led the NFL in touchdown passes? Brett Favre. Who led the NFL in interceptions? Brett Favre. This season, who has a chance to lead the NFL in touchdown passes? Jameis Winston. Who's probably going to lead the NFL in interceptions? Jameis Winston. And that's just the nature of the beast when you're talking about players like that. He definitely fits into that. And again, we're going back to what weapons he has available. 
Um, Cliff Kingsbury kind of rolled out a few times three running back sets. They didn't really do much out of that. Um, I think out of one of those, David Johnson missed a block, if I'm not mistaken, and Kyler took a sack. Um, yeah, that wasn't a missed block. That was Kyler Murray. That was a, was a designed run play, if you ask me. And it looked like in the game, Kyler was frustrated with David Johnson and wanted him yeah. to make a block on that play. But in, in, in my opinion, there was no way for David Johnson to retrace his steps and try to get a block on that defender. If he would have, it probably would have been a block in the back. But I think I'm not a guy that likes to spread conspiracy theories or likes to, to insert, you know, drama into a situation and speculate but the fact that Kyler Murray thought David Johnson should have made that block I think speaks to a bigger issue and I think what that speaks to is that Kyler Murray does not believe that David Johnson's all in if you're Kyler Murray and you believe a guy like David Johnson is all in then you know that the reason why he didn't make the block is because he couldn't make the block Um, but when you don't believe a guy is all in you don't ever give him the benefit of the doubt and you start to question him on every single play and to me it seems like that's what's going on yeah and uh us in the press box saw that he was visibly upset at David Johnson, whether he was right or wrong on that. I mean, that's that's a concerning thing, and that's why how the snap counts have been going in favor of Kenyon Drake. Um, I think it was he had 39, and it was like 60-some percent. David had 22, and Chase Edmonds had 11 snaps. Um, and, you know, they've, they used Chase and David more as receivers, and, I mean, just the numbers bear out that David and Kenyon Drake were the second and third leading receivers after Christian Kirk. I mean, this is just, again, week after week, receivers not separating or something to that fact. Like, I, they're not getting Andy Isabella, many snaps, no touches. Um, is there anything new there as far as how they're using the running backs, how the wide receivers aren't producing? Yeah, I don't really know. I mean, the, I think this is a very difficult situation for me. I've, I've been saying this for a few weeks. I think that the organization needs to take the names away and take the numbers away and the positions away from people and just say, let's put our best guys on the field. And if that means David Johnson's in the slot or he's out wide, let's do that. If that means... Larry Johnson is in the slot or out wide, let's do that. If that means Christian Kirk is in the slot or out wide, let's do that. And and if that means whoever's in the backfield, that's let's just do that. And and right now, um, I don't think the Cardinals really have a direction. I don't really think they have a plan. I think what they're trying to do right now is is find ways to scheme plays to to try to stay in ball games. There's no there's no developmental plan here for Kyler Murray right now. They're just trying to survive, in my opinion, on a week in week out basis. Um, you know, you acquired Kenyon Drake in the at the trade deadline for a pick, and and he's going to be a free agent. And you haven't worked out a contract as we know with him yet. We don't know what's going to happen there. You obviously have Chase Edmonds coming back. You have David Johnson, who's going to be, you know. I'm assuming on your roster because if you if you cut him or trade him, you got a you got a whole lot of dead money there. Um, but obviously, there's a rift right now or something between David Johnson and Cliff Kingsbury. There's a disconnect. There's also a disconnect, obviously, with Patrick Peterson. But with all of that being said, I'm going to go back to what I've been saying on this podcast every week, which is if you look at all of the stats, whatever you want to look at. I'm not a huge analytics guy or a stats guy, but if you look at it. In my opinion, the one stat that tells us everything we need to know about each game with the Cardinals right now is the number of sacks that Kyler Murray takes. And I think you heard Christian Kirk say this very clearly in his in his press game or in his post game press conference, which is 
we just can't keep taking this many negative plays. And if, if a wide receiver is talking about negative plays, that means it's come up a lot in their meetings. It's come up a lot in their in their offensive meetings, team meetings, and, and walkthroughs. And, and obviously right now, Kyler Murray is taking too many negative plays with sacks and with turnovers. What is that dynamic like, like with the offensive line too, when they're busting their butts whether they're succeeding or failing and he's I mean he even said after the game I'm I'm gonna try to stand in there and you know if I take hits I take hits but I'm trying to make plays he kind of went that direction does does the offensive line care I mean they obviously don't want to be like it, it goes on your PFF profile probably if you can't block for seven seconds which you probably shouldn't have to do you know exactly there's a couple times yesterday where Kyler Murray scrambled on a pass play where he should have thrown the ball away and instead he ran out of bounds which also counts for a sec if he doesn't cross the line of scrimmage and there's nothing more that pisses offensive linemen off more than that um and, but I also look there's a I have a lot of film uh from last week against the Rams and there's about six or seven plays where Kyler Murray is missing wide open receivers regularly quick game timing seam routes deep overs i mean he's missing guys all over the field and he's taking off and running he's taking sacks he's throwing the ball away when he has guys wide open the scheme is is there and everybody else sees that too and so i think last week against the rams was probably the first real opportunity where you know the 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 organization and the team was able to look at kyler and say hey man we're calling plays we're scheming guys open you got to stand in the pocket and you got to make these throws on time with anticipation with good accuracy and you got to make decision good decisions and you got to do it consistently and right now he's not not doing that and the question becomes is he doing that because he's not capable is he doing it because he's a rookie or is he doing it because he's frustrated he's tired of losing and he's trying to make plays for me, I think it's option number three. Yeah, and obviously I think the team would hope that it's, what, option number two, where they just hope that it's a little too much, he's a rookie. Um, but at this point in the season, you know, he's had reps, he's had he's seen things. Um, so that will be interesting to see these last three games. I want to go back to um, a few minutes ago. You put the best players on the field. And I don't know as a football player, but to me, like even just one game, about how to mismatch um, the defense become too much sometimes when it's just like just throw your five best players on the field whether maybe one tight end your two good receivers and a couple backs or one back or however you want to mix it up and just keep them on the field and just tempo people and I feel like they'll have two or three good plays tempoing and then they'll get out of it because they sub some guys out is that me thinking that like the rhythm's that important or is that that big of a deal mean tempo work for this team and so people i think automatically assume that they should just stick to tempo seven days a week 24 hours a day to scheme and prepare for whatever it is you're going to do and i don't think that teams are going to be you know not be able to adjust to the tempo or no huddle so i think it might be an advantage at times i just think what the real issue is is when you're on the ball and you see your highest paid player and a guy like David Johnson right now, who's obviously not doing a ton. He's not contributing a ton. He seems disinterested. And on top of that, there seems to be some type of riff between him and the coaching staff and or the organization. And then you look on the other side of the field to another one of, one of your highest paid players in Patrick Peterson, a guy who's supposed to be your 
your your leader, a guy who's supposed to be a, a Hall of Fame type player, a perennial Pro Bowler, a Ring of Honor type guy, and, and, and he also has zero interest in competing and zero interest in, in playing football right now for this organization, you, you, you have no chance when your best players, when two of your, when two of your three franchise players are, are not helping you win, actively helping you. How do you fix that as an organization? Or I mean, is it on Cliff to talk it out with them? He can talk it... anything out, but let's just not forget last year before Cliff was even a twinkle in the eye of the Arizona Cardinals and he was losing games at Texas Tech, Patrick Peterson was here asking for a trade. Yeah. He's obviously incredibly disappointed because he thinks he's done a lot for this organization and he thinks he should be he thinks this organization should bend backwards for him, bend over backwards for him. I believe that Patrick Peterson thought he was unfairly treated when it came to his PED suspension. I think Patrick Peterson felt like it wasn't right, it wasn't fair, and that he, was, he wasn't done properly. And I think he wanted the Arizona Cardinals to figure out a way to uh, pay him money so he wasn't going to lose as much money um, during his suspension. And obviously when the Arizona Cardinals didn't do that, for whatever reason, Patrick Peterson felt like they were being disloyal to him. And ever since then, the relationship has been you know pretty much over and that's from david and him i mean that's the big thing with this is if you have rifts with your top players um and we've talked to this whole podcast today has been about rifts whether it's just on the field or bigger than that and i mean that's organizational dysfunction to some degree and so getting out of it is going to be tough because look you got to find solutions to decide what you're going to do with these guys all while trying to get Cliff Kingsbury's just on the football field system implemented and Vance Joseph's to to me if you're going to commit to Cliff Kingsbury and if you're going to commit to Kyler Murray you have to get rid of everybody who doesn't believe in the system you have to get rid of everybody who doesn't believe in the direction of the organization this dysfunction has been going on here well before Kyler Murray well before Cliff Kingsbury so you can't put it on them to me this dysfunction starts with with Steve Kime and and obviously Steve Kime you know um he's done some good things he's had some good years um but the last few years, in my opinion, have, have been unacceptable. Um, and the way that he's drafted, the way that he's uh, developed um, homegrown players, the guys who have left, like a Tyron Matthew, situations like that, you just can't win um, when you have this type of dysfunction within the organization. And the only, the, only uh, the, the common denominator in all of those years is Steve Kime. I mean, he had three good years um, where they were successful in winning on the football field under Bruce Arians. Um, and I did I did a look at the last, I think, two or three off-seasons, and they're one of the top teams in just turnover when you look at a roster. And I mean, when you look at who's been turned over, I mean, Tremaine Brock's not otherworldly, but if he's, by PFF standards, your number two cover man, that's talent loss. DJ Swearinger was an NFL safety, starting safety. Um, I don't know what happened to him. He wasn't playing great, but losing him is something. I mean, and it's, if, called, it's called pointing the finger at somebody else so you can deflect from your own your own woes. The only problem is with your Steve Kime. Who brought in Farrell Cooper? You did. Who brought in Tremaine Brock? You did. Who brought in Robert Alford? You did. Who brought in uh, all of these guys? You brought these guys in. And so at some point in time, you know, you, you have to address that fact. And, and right now, 
the Arizona Cardinals, again, are going to have a high pick. And the question becomes, do you trust whether it's a, a Deontay Johnson, who we saw yesterday, or, or whether it's a DK Metcalf, or whether it's a, a Terry McLaurin, or all these guys. They're all guys who were drafted after Andy Isabella. Some of them, in the case, were even drafted after uh, Hakeem Butler, and we've gotten zero out of those guys. Keyshawn Johnson, another a guy who we thought was going to be maybe their number three receiver, and he's been inactive the last two weeks. Um, next on the docket, Cleveland Browns, who have won four of five. Um, and then it's two road games against divisional foes who are really good, and we know that already. So, I mean, do you, I guess I'll just ask, do you see them winning another game and having a better record than... I guess they will have a better record because of the tie, but yeah. so so this this to me this game against the Cleveland Browns at home is their next best chance for a for a win. Um, you, you never know what team's going to show up when you're talking about the Arizona Cardinals, but you also never know what team's going to show up when you're talking about the Cleveland Browns. And the Cleveland Browns have had their share of dysfunction as well, and so. I think it's going to be an interesting ball game. Obviously, there are going to be a lot of storylines with Cliff Kingsbury and Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. And there's all the storylines going on in, in Cleveland with all the things that they got going on here. But it's also important to remember that the Cleveland Browns still have a chance to go to the playoffs. And so yeah. you're going to get their best effort. You're going to get a prepared team and a team that wants to win. I'm sure Freddie Kitchens is going to want to bring his team here and win a ball game too. Um, you're going to get a motivated Baker Mayfield. So... It, this is going to be an interesting game. I think it's going to be an evenly matched game to a certain extent. And if the Cardinals want to break this losing streak, this game is their best chance to do it. At least we'll have those storylines to talk about instead of the uh, concerning product on the football field. That's Rudy Carpenter. I'm Kevin Zimmerman. Thanks, as always, for listening.